Weekday mornings at 7 on ESPN Las Vegas. KWWN in Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Yeah! All right, here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. No conflict Friday. Well, that might be hard today. Uh, Willie Ramirez is the company. Damon is running the show at the Kinley Toyota Studios. Busy Friday on the way. Actually, a lot of UNLV football talk, along with NBA draft in our number one, as we'll start the weekly countdown. of UNLV football opponents starting from the end of the season, moving all the way up to the beginning of the season. So end of the season is Reno. So we'll talk to one of the Nevada experts in just a little bit. And uh, we're also going to talk about the latest 2023. Actually, it's the first 2023 UNLV football commit, a quarterback out of Southern California. We'll talk to the coach of one Ty Diffenbach. So, Willie's here. What's up, buddy? Major, major accomplishment today, buddy. Major, major accomplishment. I'm feeling what is very... More lifting notes? No. No. Day off. Rested the body after squatting 370, uh, 315 yesterday. No, today I finished vice principals. Oh, nice. All right. Well, we're going to talk TV in the middle of the show in the fat pack, so mark it down on the tease board. Willie's review of vice principals. All right, DeMond, let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. I am very excited to hear about vice principals. So we come out of the gates, Willie, with the NBA draft. And last night was a little surprising, although the betting on the number one pick was kind of crazy. I thought it was a an interesting NBA draft. I'll say this, though. It really has become like the last, oh, I don't know, five, seven, ten years, a draft that is closer to the Major League Baseball draft than the NFL draft because I think a lot of people watching don't know who any of these guys are unless you watch college basketball and unless you follow high school basketball and know who skipped school and, you know, went to the G League or is that some academy, it's a very different draft. But we start out with the top of the draft. For the longest time, Willie, the favorite was Jabari Smith out of Auburn. He was as high as uh, minus 600 a few days ago. We got all this crazy action coming in late on Palo Bancaro, then it kind of settled down again with Jabari Smith being the favorite. And, uh, well, Orlando, I guess, wanted to keep it secret because they shocked the hell out of a lot of people by taking the uh, the big Italian kid uh, who went to Duke for a year and out of the uh, Pacific Northwest, Palo Bancaro is now a member of the Orlando Magic and forever seared into everyone's memory as a number one pick. Yeah, and I mean, Magic reportedly never even hosted this guy for a formal workout or interview, which suggest it you know i i it, I, it was very 
you know, because yesterday we talked about it, right, was how the, we made it a subject because of the betting number. That's what's wild is, you know, we're sitting here talking about how they all of a sudden it was almost like a, a thoroughbred race or, you know, one where out of nowhere this one becomes the front runner and where's all this money coming from and why. And sure enough, when it, and the numbers, by the time the, we finished the show, the numbers were evening out a little bit. But lo and behold, the Duke forward. The former Duke forward is now with the Orlando Magic, shocking everybody. The top three, of course, was no surprise um, with Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren rounding it out. Um, but I guess I guess still to some people's surprise, it's, it's Paulo Bacero. But, you know, during the season, even when, when Duke played Gonzaga here, you were there, I was there, you know, um, and Duke got the best of them. You know, there was a there was a minute there for a, for a bit where – he was getting all the hype above everybody. So is it really a surprise that he went number one? I mean, toward the end, because of the hype and every, what everybody was saying and hearing. But on the on the surface, when you when you look back to November and the season began, how much of it really is a shocker? Well, all three were rated very highly. I did. I was a little disturbed by the draft coverage when they kept saying on the ESPN last week. Draft coverage that uh, it didn't matter who went one, two, three. It's going to matter. Not all three are going to turn out to be the same level player. All three could turn out to be nine point per game guys. It's not a guarantee that they're all going to be great players. Now, locally, it wasn't the greatest draft night as uh, Jaden Hardy winds up going in the second round. He was hoping to go in the first. Some people had him slotted as high as the 12th rated player in the draft. Bryce Hamilton from UNLV, not drafted. Orlando Robinson from Vegas and Fresno State, not drafted. Donovan Williams not drafted, former UNLV player, and you kind of saw it coming, and again, I don't think it's a bad decision by any of them. If they feel like they're done with college basketball and it's time to play with grown men and start making money and their family needs money, then go ahead and do it. I'm not one here to decide if it was a mistake or not, but at the end of the draft, and this happens a lot, Willie, you're waiting for some of these guys to be a late pick, right? You got a lot of college stars who are you know, waiting and uh, wind up not getting picked. At the end of the draft, from 50 on down, the last eight picks, you ready? Italy, yeah. U.S., Croatia, U.S., Congo, Brazil, Australia, U.S., France. At the end of the draft and halfway through the second round, and many times early in the second round, players are drafted as draft and stash guys. And a lot of times they're super young. And I still believe that American players are – I don't know if they're being disrespected, but they're going to take some of these international players over three- and four- and five-year guys from college basketball. It's just – the way it is. Now, Bryce Hamilton is signed with Miami. He'll be playing in the Summer League, hopefully. Uh, to this point, I didn't see Orlando Robinson signed by anyone, but I think he's going to be a coveted guy. And uh, we mentioned Jaden Hardy should be in the Summer League. He got drafted by the Kings, and Donovan Williams landed with the Brooklyn Nets. So we're going to see all these guys in the Summer League in just a couple of weeks. So that's cool. Yeah. It was, you know, for Jaden, you sort of, I mean, when we say local guys, you know, you mentioned some of you and LV guys, but, you know, guys that, played in high school here and you sort of feel for Hardy because if I'm not mistaken he was the last guy in the green room so you, you're in the state you know you're, there was there was a couple that were up in the stands above the tables but sitting in that green room right and everybody's getting their names called at the beginning and then your adrenaline's rolling and anxiety's flowing and then you're the last one and then you're just waiting now it's one thing if you're the last guy and then okay well then you get called immediately after someone but the anticipation to be called you know, um, that's got to be hard on him mentally, even though you eventually get picked up. I mean, you got to be 
if you're in the top 60, you got to be happy. You were, you were drafted. You fulfilled your dream. You're in the NBA. Even if you get signed undrafted, now it's up to you to go prove yourself. You know, there's no guarantees outside of the lottery picks, I would imagine. I mean, that, that you're, you know, you got years of progression that you have to prove yourself. So you're going to have to prove yourself no matter what. But uh, yeah. that might, I, out of everybody, I, I was feeling for Hardy a little bit. Yeah, I think if you, you know, if you forego high school, you go to the G League, you play for Ignite, you see uh, Jalen Green a year ago, you see Johnny Kaminga, brother of uh, Joel Tomway, former UNLV player, you see Dyson Daniels go top 10. All those guys, all those guys go top 10. And then if you're Hardy, I think, you know, your whole, your path to not go to college, go to the G League was to be a top 15 pick. So I'm sure it was disappointing. We'll uh, cover more of the draft as the show moves along, but little UNLV football talk today as we preview one of the opponents, arch rival. It's at the very end of the season. We'll find out what's going on. It's been Armageddon around the uh, Wolfpack program, so we'll talk a little Nevada football. He's one of the guys from Nevada Sportsnet. Alex Margulies is up next with Cofield and Company. Now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's getting rolling here on a Friday. So every week up until the UNLV season, we'll be previewing one of the opponents. We're going to go from the back of the season to the beginning, and Nevada is up today. we got a lot of stuff to talk about and catch up on when it comes to Wolfpack sports because uh, it's been mass exodus, so we want to talk about some of the uh, new folks in charge, and Alex Margulies is all over the scene at Nevada Sports, and Eddie's up with Cofield and company on a Friday. How you doing, buddy? What's going on, guys? How are you? Uh, we're good. I mean, it's it's been a crazy last three or four months uh, at Nevada. Let's uh, before we get to the the football and you know talking uh, pack and UNLV football. Let's talk about who's in charge now. Who is the new AD? What's your background? Yeah, so Nevada announced uh, Stephanie Remp uh, earlier this week, and uh, her most recent uh, stop was at LSU, where she was the deputy director of athletics. The chief operating officer, and really there, she was given a lot of leeway uh, to run quite a bit of their athletic department. Um, she'd been there since 2019. She also had uh, some pretty other significant stops, including Texas A&M, uh, spent three or four years there. She was also at the University of Washington for about a decade, uh, a one-time student-athlete herself. She was a volleyball player at the University of Arizona. So she brings a lot of experience at you know, the Power Five level. And so I think that's very attractive. You know, I think the University of Nevada wants to, you know, elevate what they're doing uh, from an athletic standpoint. And so you, you probably need somebody that's got the vision of, of, you know, having spent time in some of these very major programs. You know, on the negative side, she's never actually been an athletic director. So that's going to be the big kind of thing hanging over her head, I guess, is to prove this is your first chance as an athletic director. How are you doing when you are, uh, the person in charge. But, you know, a lot of folks have come out and, and really uh, vocalized a lot of support uh, for her and, and think that she is just a, a really, uh, really talented and uh, strong-willed uh, athletic uh, director, you know, uh, executive. And, and, you know, I think folks here in the community are excited to have her and, and see, you know, what her imprint on uh, Nevada athletics is going to be. When you bring someone like that in, though, and, and you say, you know, as far as the downside is she's never really done this is, you know, Reno is somewhat of it's a small town. Obviously, it's it's mm -hmm. the what the biggest little town in the smallest world in the world or, you know, that one. I, 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 what are you doing? Come on, man. You butchered you just butchered that. Come on. 
Yeah, well, you know. Uh, but, respect. But, but well, let me let me oh, save it here. It it is without a doubt a fantastic college town. Does that help in the fact you said the community is ready to to back her? Does it help yeah. in her situation that she's going to a very very strong college rich town? in which, you know, the, the moves that she can make will be supported and, and be sort of reveled, if you will. I, I think so. I mean, I, I, I do think that this is a this is a city, this is an area that really does care about the Wolfpack. I mean, this is, this is the big show in town, you know? This isn't Las Vegas where you've got the Raiders now and you've got the Golden Knights and, and you, know, you know, UNLV kind of goes a little bit further down that list, you know? This is our, our pro sports team in, in northern Nevada. So there are a lot of people that really, truly do care about this university and the athletic success. I, I think one really big aspect of this entire thing is who's in charge now as president uh, of the university, and that's former Governor Brian Sandoval. You know, he is a northern Nevada native. He went to the University of Nevada, and he is a huge supporter of uh, athletics and University of Nevada athletics. And that's something that this school had really been lacking, to be completely honest with you. I mean, the pre- previous president, Mark Johnson, was kind of vocally uh, the opposite. He was not a super supportive uh, president when it came to athletics, and Nevada really suffered for that in terms of their facilities, in terms of their funding, in terms of their fundraising. Um, so I think the combination of bringing someone, you know, with Stephanie's experience, connections, you know, being at all these Power 5 programs, but also the big thing is, and she said this in her, her press conference, she probably doesn't take this job if Brian Sandoval isn't the person that, that's her boss. And he is really um, you know, trying to galvanize uh, this community, galvanize a lot of the community leaders uh, in terms of support. And I, I would say, like, when you look at you know, the way Nevada went about this, I mean, Stephanie Remp is, is due to make about $500,000 a year over five years. Uh, you know, we, we haven't found... To our knowledge, and, and Chris Murray is, is our great, uh, you know, writer for our website and, and one of our broadcasters here at the station, and he's such an encyclopedia of Mountain West knowledge. To his reporting, he has not found any athletic director in the conference that's making more money than that. So Nevada is making a very significant investment in their athletic director, paying her a very, very high salary. And so I think that does signal to this community, you know, that this is a university that is starting to take things a little bit more seriously after Frankly, you know, some of the, uh, I, I call it maybe turmoil, you know, that's kind of transpired here over the last six months, uh, starting with the departure of Jane Norvell. Talking Nevada athletics, Nevada football, as Alex Margulies is up from Nevada Sportsnet. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of turmoil. I mean, the, the Norvell thing was really embarrassing and outrageous that he got stolen away mm-hmm. by a team, a school in the conference in, in Colorado State. And I, you know, I know. Talking to you when that happened, a lot of people in the Reno community were like, well, you know, they're not paying him, so I don't blame him. But you know what? After he steals, like, freaking seem like 20 guys off the roster, I'd be mm-hmm. pissed. Um, what of all the positions, uh, what's the most concerning that he raided and took with him to the Rams? Oh, I'm probably wide receiver. I mean, you look at where they what they lost, you know, weapons-wise there. I mean, even a quarterback. But, you know, I got to say – Nevada has done a really good job under their new head coach, Ken Wilson, and they've had some help, um, you know, with some rule changes in the NCAA, and they've actually kind of loosened the restrictions on amount of scholarships. And so Nevada has really been able to go out and get a lot of guys with college experience and then guys that have not only college experience at that Power 5 level, but then also have uh, eligibility behind that. So Nevada's really retooled since even their spring football game 
this summer, and they've added a big wide receiver from Illinois. I know they're potentially closing in on another kid from USC, I and mean, they picked up a quarterback from Oklahoma State that had pretty decent, significant playing time for the Cowboys and was successful. It was a winning quarterback uh, at Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, they picked up a big defensive lineman uh, from Utah State, one of the rivals in conference. They got out and added, you know, some decent offensive line pieces. So, I, it, you know, I think a lot of people felt like this was going to be a pretty down year and a serious kind of rebuild year. I think they're starting to feel a little bit more optimistic based on the way that Nevada has been able to go out and get people through the portal that can help them um, right away. But, you know, when you go back to Jay Norvell, I mean, yeah, I, I think – a lot of people in the community are pretty sour um, about the way things went down. I think the level of which players left, I mean, it's just so unpre- unprecedented. But, you know, college football is a different landscape than it ever has been. So you're going to have unprecedented things happen. You know, this is just a different deal right now. And, and, yeah, you had a coach go to another school and conference, which is not very typical. But, you know, you look at what he's got at Colorado State. He's got a very nice facility. He's got a community that does have a lot of financial support you know they have aspirations maybe to get to the big 12 whether that materializes or not um but you know when you anytime you lose that many good players you know you lose a quarterback you lose some receivers you lose some guys all over the field it's it's pretty tough to stomach and you know i i i know that uh when colorado state comes to town uh here Mm -hmm. in reno later this fall it's going to be a very interesting atmosphere I, i would expect that to be maybe the highest attended game of the season Oh boy, I don't know what UNLV's doing that weekend because I'm, uh, I'm 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 uh, I'm on the sidelines. But if uh, I got a week off, I might actually make my way up to Reno to see that one. That's going to be a free. There you go. Nasty, nasty environment. So let's talk quarterback. So you got Nate Cox back, six nine. Um, he did run into some trouble off the field. So you can give us an he update did. on yep. that. And then you mentioned Illingsworth, the transfer who's in. Mm-hmm. So in the end, who do you think is going to win the quarterback battle? You know, I, I mean, I think the the off the field issue for Nate Cox, you know, that remains to be seen as to how they're going to punish him. I mean, he did get popped for a DUI. Um, you know, so maybe that comes with a suspension. Maybe that comes with him not being able to play week one, and and maybe all of a sudden Shane Illingworth just gets vaulted into uh, your QB one. I mean, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to remain to be seen. I, I think Nate Cox is a guy that really is well liked in the locker room. I think he is uh, one of the more um, popular and, um, you know, just it brings a different kind of attitude about him. He's just, he's, he's kind of a character. I mean, he's got like the mullet, you know, he's six, nine, he, he kind of carries himself with a certain swagger. Um, so he's certainly an interesting guy. And I think, you know, he would probably have a lot of the, the locker room support. And then you look at Illingworth. I mean, like I said, this guy has played significant college football, um, you know, last year, at Oklahoma State, you know, he played in a couple games, and, and one of them threw for 315 yards and a touchdown. You know, he had a good performance uh, the week after that against Kansas. You know, his his freshman year, you know, he had significant saps. I mean, he had uh, 554 yards passing, 70 attempts, four touchdowns, and one interception. So, you know, he's played major college football and, uh, you know, comes with a four-star rating. He's another big kid, six foot six, 230 pounds. So I think... You know, the, the competition's healthy, but, you know, I think if you're, you look at what happened off the field, you have to maybe lean towards, okay, maybe this is now Ailingworth's uh, job to lose, but, you know, we'll see how things kind of pan out once we get into August. Do you think Millen could have beaten out both of them? Um, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, Clay Millen's pretty talented. Um, he's got a big arm. 
You know, I, I know talking to Carson Strong, he was very high on Clay and, and just his his throwing ability. Um, you know, I think if it were Clay Millen and Nate Cox, I'd say probably. I'd probably go Clay. When it comes to Illingworth, he's such a, a wild card. I mean, you don't know what you're getting a lot of these times of transfers, especially a quarterback and guys that are high profile. Um, what's the what's the attitude? What's the locker room kind of vibe metric? You know, those are kind of things you can't really, you know, you look at a box score, you don't get to see those things. So I guess until he gets here and, you know, gels with his teammates and, you know, goes through and, and does all that stuff, it's hard to really predict what he can do. But on paper, I, I would think I'd, I might give an edge to him over Millen, but, you know, it's hard to kind of predict without seeing him in person and, and just seeing what kind of personality we're dealing with. Alex, what, uh, you know, as we're approaching, I just, just sent in my, uh, got my approval for Mountain West Media Day, so we're counting them down here, and it's going to be upon us. What's the vibe been like since Ken Wilson's arrived? What's, you know, or it's, since he's taken over, I should say, and, and you know, going into or leading up to uh, camp, what, what, what's he like? What's it been like, and, and how do you feel the players are responding? You know, I, I honestly, I think the vibe check has been pretty strong. Um, you know, every time I've been over at the building, people are in good spirits. You know, even just kind of talking, hey, talking to equipment managers, hey, how, how are things going? And they're like, really good. You know, like they, they feel like the transition has been made really well. His staff has a lot of energy. I mean, there's a lot of really young, talented, hungry assistants that really haven't had a lot of opportunities but have been at big-time programs, you know. Guys that have been in Oregon, they've been at Ohio State, they've been at Michigan, you know, they've been kind of at these big programs and, and haven't been necessarily elevated into um, position coaches or coordinators. Uh, you know, I think with Ken Wilson, people are, were thrilled. You know, I mean, this is a guy that was a huge part of building Nevada football into, you know, one of the best programs uh, on the West Coast, you know, for, for a while there with uh, Chris Alt. You know, he was, he was a huge part of that entire build out you know he knows northern nevada he he loves this community um he's got a lot of support from donors and uh you know folks so i think there's a lot of people rallying behind him i I think he may have the ability to connect a little stronger with the community in terms of even just getting butts and seats and selling tickets and that kind of stuff um so i think the early returns on him have been very positive i think you look at what he's done in recruiting i think has been pretty excellent you know when you look at what they're getting this year to help them, and you're already looking at 2023, they've got a pretty solid crop in 2023 coming in. So I, I think, you know, with all things considered, how much of a mess that was when Jay left and the cupboard that that team was left when they played that bowl game in Detroit, brother, man, that, that was a, that was a tough, uh, that, was a, that was just, you know, a team walking into a funeral. I mean, everyone knew that they were just going to get killed and, and give those kids credit for sucking through that um i i think you know getting his new presence in there i think it was a very quick turnaround of just a lot of positivity and i think going through spring football a lot of guys a lot of the players i think are very excited with this coaching staff and, and i think you're you're seeing a faster maybe acclimation to a new culture and buy-in to a new culture maybe than what you would see uh traditionally there's a ton of college football games already booked at uh, Reno and Las Vegas Sportsbooks. Uh, Golden Nugget down here put UNLV's entire season up. I don't know if you got wind of this, but it opened that season finale with UNLV at home minus one. It pushed up to three. I think it's sitting at UNLV one and a half right now. Tough game to make a pick on because both programs have so many new players and you have no idea who's going to play quarterback. 
Oh, I know. I mean, to try and predict that now, I mean, either of these teams, who knows what they're going to look like. I mean, UNLV, obviously, what a, what a tough season that was last year. And, and so hard to see, you know, predict how that gets turned around. But obviously, they've got a lot of new talent pieces. And, you know, this Nevada team is so unpredictable. I, I do think it, it may be one of the most level uh, games that we could, we could see between these two teams in a while. And, uh, you know, shapes up for a good... Good end of the season finale. So, by the way, just if, in case you guys didn't know, I was I was going to pass along um, some breaking news a little bit today in terms of Nevada. Uh, head baseball coach T.J. Bruce has actually decided to leave the program as well. He has taken oh, wow. a job at TCU, um, not oh. as, not as their head coach. Really, uh, he has taken their associate head coach job, which I found a little surprising. But you know, um, you know, talking to T.J. a little bit, I think he's had some opportunities that with power five schools and stuff. And, and that hasn't really materialized. And he, he feels like maybe even if it's a little bit of a step down, going to associate head coach, getting into Texas, you know, getting into a different recruiting area that this is going to ultimately uh, improve his kind of career trajectory. And, and so it's uh, you know, it's a bit of a sad day for us. I mean, we love TJ Bruce. He's done so many great things with this baseball program, uh, multiple Mountain West championships. He got the team back to a regional for the first time in 20 years. Um, not this past season, but the season prior. So everybody uh, a little bit shocked by that and, and certainly wishing him the best of luck as he you know, starts this new, his new adventure out there in the Big 12. Alex, good stuff, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on. Have a good weekend. Anytime, guys. Have a great weekend as well. There he is, Alex Margulies, Nevada Sportsnet. So that's uh, – I hadn't seen that baseball coach leaving for an assistance job. And uh, from the football standpoint, um, I actually – they lost a lot of wide receivers, Willie. So they lost yeah. Romeo Dubs and Cole Turner as a tight end to the NFL. Uh, Tory Horton and Melquan Stovall went with Norvell to Colorado State. San Jose State got a couple other guys. Elijah Cooks, if he can stay healthy, is a hell of a weapon. Justin Lockhart is a real good player. But actually, I think their their worst loss was they lost their left tackle, who I think is an NFL player. He's certainly a an all-Mountain West candidate. Young guy. I think he's got two years left or maybe three years left with the COVID year. Yeah, Jacob Gardner leaving your, you know, your young left tackle, the anchor for like four or five years leaving is just – completely completely debilitating so we'll see how reno bounces back because uh, they have a lot of new faces just like unlv does and that game goes down on november 26th eventually we'll get some tv details on that one a little more unlv football coming up in about 15 we're going to talk to the uh, agora high school football coach uh, dustin croik who um, is the coach of the first unlv 2023 commit a quarterback so we'll get into that like i said in about 15 minutes then on top of it all, you create in this cap space and all of this stuff to get Jalen Brunson. Is he KD? Is he Kawhi Leonard? I mean, Jalen Brunson's a damn good player. I'll be happy to have him. But all of this stuff you're going to because you're selling New York on Jalen Brunson. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. You know, the Stephen A. Smith fandom of the Knicks is a funny thing. It's it's hilarious because we have it on our show. It's hilarious listening and watching fans who are extremely frustrated for years and years and years. But listen to what Stephen A. was saying there. And I've I've been through this time and time again when it comes to Knicks fans and their lack of awareness, right? So the Knicks were moving around with picks last night, clearing out some cap room. Brunson could be in the fold, and Stephen A. throws out, B, 
basically, well, what's that going to do now for the pursuit of Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard? There is no pursuit. It's not a two-way interest. No one of any note has signed with the Knicks. And you know why? There's one common denominator. Willie, who is it? One common denominator. The owner. Yes. It's like this assumption that players are stupid, money-grubbing pigs that you can just buy someone. I don't think they that... know. They know who the owner is. Yeah, I don't. He is Dan. I... He is the. He's the NBA's Dan Snyder. Now that <laughs> the horse's ass Sterling is gone in Clipperland, yeah. players know who they're going to work for. Yep. No one wants to work for, or very few people want to work for, especially if they have leverage and and opportunities. No one wants to play for James Dolan. Kevin Durant is not moving. Oh, he wouldn't have to move to Manhattan, but he's not moving arenas to Manhattan. And Kawhi Leonard is not leaving Southern California to go save the Knicks. Come on, Stephen A. It's and it's it's really sad if you think about it when you consider the NBA and you know. I mean, I think all for the most part. Well, I would even put hockey in front of baseball. As you say, all three the NBA, NFL, and NHL have really evolved in terms of the public spotlight and, and their marketing and their, their image and their popularity. I think baseball is sort of plateauing. But um, it's kind of sad that the Knicks, I mean, you're talking about a major market, if not the biggest market, the Mecca, Madison Square Garden, and none of the stars want to go. I mean, you think of all the big threes, all the super teams that have been constructed, right? And we've had this conversation ever since the winning time series came out that super teams really started way back then but this new age miami with lebron him bringing people to cleveland you know the 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 oklahoma city thunder even though i haven't won a time all these nobody has wanted to go there and if that's if that's the reason and the sad part is it's new york city madison square garden you think of all the great players some of their top games have been inside the arena. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. All with other teams. Yep. Success starts from the top down. And if you have an owner who mistreats players, mistreats former players, is, you know, an organization that had many scandals over the years, then you have to deal with the overbearing New Jersey, New York media. I mean, the, the proof's in the pudding. No one has flocked in their prime to go sign some monster deal with the Knicks. And then in fact, then what happens is, I don't know if you remember the first time LeBron turned down the Knicks to go to Miami, then they're putting up billboards. Well, they were putting up billboards to recruit him. Then when he didn't go there and went to Miami, they're like, he's scared. He's a pansy. He can't handle New York. Okay. Take that attitude. And then you can see it in New York. If you have a bad owner, like the Mets were irrelevant for a long time because the owners got duped by uh, Bernie Madoff. They had to operate like freaking Market 25, and the Mets sucked, and they were irrelevant. They've got a billionaire now, Steve Cohen, and he's like, okay, we're going to spend money, and he seems to be a pretty good owner. Let's baseball people you know, do what they need to do. So there you go. Uh, speaking of baseball, we got uh, another Aviators game tonight. All weekend they're in town taking on Albuquerque. News just in that uh, 
Chris Bryant, hometown hero, Bonanza High School, will not be going up to the Rockies this weekend. Oh. So he's going to be playing tonight. Um, huh. They're doing a great give, uh, giveaway tonight as they've got uh, beach bag night going down. So get out there, get your free beach bag. And before the game, for Lady Rebel fans, and really fans are just uh, hometown heroes, uh, you know, I talked about uh, Chris Bryant and Bonanza. We've got Lindy LaRock, who's going to be out there throwing the first pitch, Willie. How cool oh, is that? One of the one of the greatest hometown heroes of, of, of all sports. I mean, and what she's done, we've talked about this. I mean, what she's done with just the town and regenerating some, some love all around. And, you know, especially for women's sports off of, a, uh, I don't know how to bring this up today, but off yesterday's, you know, 50th anniversary, but to have Lindy out there today, throwing out the first pitch and uh, it's Lady Rebels. I believe it's is it is more than that. Isn't it Lady Rebels Knights? The whole there, there's going to be out there. The, the team's going to be out there yelling "play ball" after she throws the first pitch. So, um, good time. And you know what? It hasn't been blistering hot. Now it's still hot. It's still Las Vegas hot, but it's not blistering hot. And for the facility that's out there, and the food, and the drinks, and the just what they offer, and the fact that. Um, no, you said Chris isn't playing. He's not guaranteed to be in the lineup tonight, but he's not going to the majors, or do we know if he's playing yet? I don't know. I, just, I haven't seen the lineup yet. Coming up next, we're going to get into uh, the first commit of the 2023 class for UNLV football, uh, as we'll talk to uh, one of the coaches, uh, the head coach of Agora High School in Southern California about uh, his quarterback, Ty Diffenbach. There's a run through for Luis Rodriguez. He's got the steal. Takes it down with a dunk and he hammers it with the right hand over Kamwa. He dumped it easily and Kamwa is posterized on that one. Woo! It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. We'll miss Radio Network. Luis Rodriguez, one of the transfers that Kevin Kruger's bringing in. You know, it's a different brand of athlete the last couple of years that uh, a lot of the Rebel Athletic programs are bringing in. And, uh, you know, there was a, a point, I don't know, you know, eight years ago or so, we'd never really hear about early commits. And you know, you'd get to the spring and be like, oh, here's the class for UNLV football. Well, that's not the case anymore with Marcus Arroyo and company recruiting. They've already got a 2023 commit. He's a quarterback, Ty Diffenbach, and his coach, Dustin Croik, Agora. High school is on the horn with uh, Steve and Willie. How are you, coach? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's actually Ty Diefenbach. Diefenbach. Uh, you know what? I listened yeah. to it a couple of times, and I was, was like, I, I got the Bach part right, but I, I blew the Diefen. Um, so first the of all, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, first of all, um, we're sort of familiar, I am, with uh, Southern California. Tell people where Agora is. Agora Hills is in Southern California. We're about 40 minutes north of L.A. Uh, best way to say it's about a 10-minute drive from Malibu. Yeah. And a uh, competitive and rich, you know, football history in the area. I know Calabasas had a big uh, bounce up. Uh, Thousand Oaks has been good in the past. Uh, I actually have uh, familiarity with Taft because my girlfriend went to Taft High School a little, little ways back. Um, but it's a very competitive high school football area, right? Oh, yeah. Great area for, for high school football. Uh, you know, great tradition here in our area. You got schools like Westlake, Calabasas, Agora. Um, you know, early 2000s, Agora was was right there with all those schools. And thanks to a kid like Ty Diefenbach, we're we're putting ourselves back on the map now. So let's talk about him. He's a, he's a big guy. He's, you know, he's not he's not the 240, but he's a he's a big guy. And uh, you know, watching some of the clips of him, I know you had mentioned that 
Um, you know, he just started playing quarterback a few years ago. So what sort of prospect uh, is he? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing. You said it right there. He's only been doing it for two years. So anyone that turns the film on and sees it can expect he's just like any other kid that's out here in this area that's been doing it since they were six years old with a private quarterback coach. You know, this kid, I, I think everyone that sees him that that's a recruiter with the college is, just sees the ceiling for him. And, you know, the, the tape's great. He's 6'5", you know, and, and you can tell he's going to put on a lot of weight. He's going to get in the right program and and be a, a great fit for a place like UNLV. Dustin, I was reading, you know, you talk about somebody who's only been doing this two years, and sure he's been playing football, but he had a pretty good showing in the Elite 11 Finals in uh, in Manhattan Beach, if I'm not mistaken. And, and uh, the, the finals are coming up, but it sounds like he, he really – I mean, that's a, that's a pretty pr- prominent competition nationally. Um, you know, for those unaware, people, the – the ultimate finalists get to go up to, I believe they still hold it, hold it on the Nike campus up in Beaverton, Oregon, but they go around and they hold these different competitions. And it sounds like he held his own. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, that, that's the type of kid he is, you know. And I'm biased, obviously, because I'm his head coach, but he's, he's put the work in. I mean, you know, you talked about before I got here and, and the first time I saw him, he was an up-and-coming receiver here. And he has just worked his tail off from, from day one of just, starting throwing and learning drops and base and all that. He's worked his ass off, sorry, <laughs> and to get where he is. And, you know, you talk about the Elite 11, just going there and showing out the way he did. Again, I'm biased, but I really think that, that he deserves to be there with those guys. And, you know, it's a testament to, to who he is as a person. You know, you always hear as, as, as players progress in levels from high school to college to to pros, it's more, it's more or less the quarterbacks going to a different position because someone might be better. We had one here in, that did the exact same thing. and went from receiver to quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson at Gorman and finished his senior year and now, of course, is at UCLA. Does it make it easier that you start a receiver, the stature, the standing 6'6", I believe he is, that you already understand your receivers and the patterns and sort of their flow? And so you could step into a quarterback's role and already understand what your receivers are looking for? I mean, it, that's tough. You know, quarterback's obviously the toughest position to play in this game. I, I think from playing that position, you can see the field differently from, from that side. So it helps in that regard. But just everything we throw at, at, at any kid that wants to play the position of learning the X's and O's and getting on the whiteboard and then seeing it from really a drop back with guys in your face, it, it, it's hard to compare that, but, you know, for, for a kid like Ty, you know, uh, again, just coming in, he was, he was just committed to learning it from that end. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a situation where you have a kid that's, I'm going to be the quarterback, anything like that. It's like, no, hey, hey, do you want to try this? Because we could really use a really good quarterback because we have very good receivers. And, yeah, whatever's going to help the team was his answer. And then from day one, just took to it, you know, with the work that it took on the field and then off the field with film and all that. You know, he's a kid that, that started this right, right around the time that, that COVID came out, too. So that got in the way. And then, you know, football can be boring from the side of just watching film and, and getting on the whiteboard. But he's really t- taken to it. And, and, you know, that's the type of kid that you want, obviously, that's behind center for a big college football program one that really cares about it and is passionate about it. What do you think he found attractive about UNLV football? 
<laughs> you know, it's, it, it's interesting because we've had a lot of colleges come through here, and, and from day one I always asked him, what school? Like, do you have one? And he never did. And it was, you know, he's a mature kid where it said it's going it, to – it's really the coach. I want to make a connection to the coach. And that was what was important to him. And to be honest with you, I think Coach Holes, Coach Arroyo were those people for him. And, and that's really what made everything attractive um, for him was just the connection and meeting those guys – Coach Holds was at our practice. He stayed the whole practice. A lot of the other coaches kind of just came, watched for a few minutes, wanted to see him throw, and then kind of dipped. And, hmm. you know, Coach Holds sat through all of our defensive practice and everything, and, and he was just a really, really cool guy. And I think Toss, Ty saw that, and they connected. You uh, you played quarterback, right? And you uh, you played quarterback in college too, right? Yes, I did. I, was, I played at Agora, and then I played uh, at Iona. So of all places, Iona across the country, what was the Iona experience like for you? Uh, I loved – I always wanted to go to school on the East Coast. And uh, my sister actually went to Boston University, so we spent a lot of time back there before. And I connected with my coach there. I loved, loved the man I played for, Fred Mariani, who was there for several years. And uh, I had a great time playing back East. So what do you think the future holds for, uh, for Ty at UNLV? It's going to be a really competitive quarterback room. Uh, they're – you know, layering the classes now. They have an outstanding freshman coming in and uh, Jaden Maiava, and they just got Harrison Bailey, a Tennessee transfer. So um, if he wants to compete, he's going to get a chance to compete because there's some talent now in that QB room with the Rebels. Yeah, and I think that, that's exactly the type of kid he is. Like, feeds off competition. Um, you know, I think the, the situation at UNLV is, UNLV is a great one. I and mean, Coach Arroyo, never met him personally, but just hear great things. Met Coach Holes. And, you know, Ty's going to go in there and, and work his tail off just like he did here to, to learn the position and, and really be on a bigger stage with great guys around him. And I just really see it being a great fit for him. Uh, last one, I saw he was rated, you know, I don't trust all these services, but I saw he was rated basically the 13th-ranked quarterback by 24-7 in California. You think with a big season he has a chance to, to be a top-10 guy, and we're seeing a lot of those top-10 guys go to Power 5 schools. Well, you know, man, like you said, I'm just like you. I don't, I don't get into any of those rankings, anything. A lot of it's BS, but I know that he's going to perform and do well. And, and if all that crap ends up leading to something like that, then it does. But I know he's pretty happy about his situation and, and being a rebel. Coach, we appreciate a couple minutes. Thanks for hopping on, and uh, we'll try to catch up with you uh, during the season. And good luck in the lead-up and have a big season. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. There he is, Dustin Croik. Uh, former quarterback at Agora High School in Agora Hills, California. First 2023 commit is a quarterback, Ty Diefenbach. Uh, the Rebels now have a quarterback room going into uh, next year. You know, once he arrives, if everyone stays around, it's pretty freaking deep. And this is the way it works, Willie, right? This is the way it works. And I, I'm not going to mention names of the past, but there were some UNLV rosters where you're like, okay, if the starter goes down, who's playing? Like, how much of a drop-off is there going to be? So the, the competition of the quarterback room has been raised massively. And it's funny, at the beginning of the hour, uh, basically, we were talking about the Reno football program with Alex Margulies. And, you know, I was mentioning the game at the end of the season, Reno and UNLV. And for both schools, I, I, I have no idea who's playing quarterback. I, if I do any previews on other radio shows about UNLV football, I couldn't tell you right now who is going to be playing quarterback, especially at the end of the season for the Rebels. No, and we didn't – I mean – based on anything that we've seen or that we've heard from Marcus, you know, uh, after the spring game, the, the, 
you know, the, the one guy they bring in, and he's listed at the bottom of the depth chart. So it's kind of, yeah. you know, it's it's up in the air. And I think, you know, I I think I, I mean, I believe Marcus knows what he's doing, and I think that he's he's sort of schematically handling things the way he wants to for a specific reason. I think he has it in his mind what he expects to see as they compete. I think he believes and 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 that. He's true in his words that it's a quarterback competition, but I also think that he has a, a pre-mindset as to how that competition is going to play out or how he believes it should play out. Yeah. Um, but we won't know until probably game day eve, if that. Oh, I, I think he's going to go right into the beginning of the season. With it'll be a you know a three-headed monster or or or. And we saw Harrison Bailey in the spring showcase. I thought he looked good. I thought uh, Doug Brumfield did some really good things especially with his legs, and we didn't get to see Cam Friel. Cam Friel is absolutely in the mix as one of the three candidates to start at quarterback for the Rebels. More football in the 4 o'clock hour. Frenzy coming up, and then we'll talk to our Raiders insider, Stanford Route.